We call it STEM Music indeed. Welcome to the STEM Music Podcast, where we highlight multicultural STEM professionals and the music they love. I'm your host, Roy Moy III, and today we have an incredible guest, a friend of mine, somebody who I've been in uh, the trenches with in an organization we were both in together. Uh, This is a wonderful person that I'm so excited to feature on the STEM Music Podcast. She comes from the E in STEM, so engineering. She holds a bachelor's in chemical engineering from the University of Pittsburgh. And she is a research and development engineer at General Mills, where she is leading the technical sustainability strategy creation for the multi-million dollar Mills Global Business Unit. Currently, she serves on the board for General Mills Black Champions Network, BCN. And check this out, y'all. In 2019, she was awarded as a General Mills Emerging Young Leader, General Mills Volunteer Champion of the Year, and named to the 50 Women in Business list of the Twin Cities. I'm telling y'all, this is an incredible guest. She is also a leader in the National Society of Black Engineers, shout out to Nesby, and has held several positions within the organization from chapter level all the way to the national board. She is a co-creator of the Stimulating Young Minds Institute, a training program for educators and community leaders interested in successfully teaching and engaging students in STEM principles. She's also a Girl Scout troop leader and a big sister in Big Brother, Big Sister, Twin Cities. And the last point that I love the most is she was recently interviewed on MPR about her commitment to change the face of STEM with Dr. Mae Jemison. And if y'all don't know who that is, Dr. Mae Jemison is the first black woman in space. She traveled aboard the space shuttle Endeavor. That's just a fun fact. But incredible that this guest, our guest today, was in the same interview as Dr. Mae Jemison. STEM Music Nation, please help me welcome Miss Ashley McCray to the STEM Music Podcast. Ashley, how are you doing today? Thank you, thank you, thank you, Or That was a very humbling and great introduction. I'm doing fantastic. I'm super excited to be on this podcast. Um, and I'm just ready to talk more about what I do in STEM and all the music I love. So thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here. That is so awesome. Well, we are so happy to have you and we're going to jump right in. Uh, The first question is usually, how did you get into STEM? And so I know in our pre-interview, we kind of referenced a perfume experiment. And so I definitely want you to dive into that. And so uh, just let us know, how did your journey start uh, within STEM? So I will definitely say that STEM is a mindset. It's Mm. not just a career field. When I was young, I was definitely one of those people always asking why. If you tell me the answer as to what that why was, I had another why for you. (laughs) Always tinkering, building, and um, the example that you just referenced was I was trying to make my own perfume. Um, Just a normal thing I guess but I went to my kitchen pantry pulled out cinnamon and nutmeg and used all these different spices and found a different solution and tried to mix up my own perfume in my bathroom sink wow I will let you know honestly it did not come out very well <laughs> <laughs> so I promise 20 years later I'm a way better engineer and developer of food than I was of um home batch perfume but that was honestly the the beginning of my stem journey wow. and what really solidified my commitment to going down the stem path mm-hmm. was 
going to a um, an informational about engineering in high school, well, basically they said exactly what I just mentioned, that okay. if you are that person who's always asking why, and you really wonder how the world works, and you want to really solve problems, then you are an engineer. And that was the beginning of my process, and I'm super excited to stay on this journey. Wow, that's incredible. You said like making perfume and stuff, I guess is a regular thing. I'm like, I don't, I don't know how many kids were doing that, which is really <laughs> cool that you were doing that, that you were just saying, you know what, I want to create something. I want to find out uh, how this works or, or just, just being intrigued by that. That's really, really cool. I love that story. So you mentioned that in high school, you were at an inf informational and that's kind of where you learn more about engineering. But I'm curious, throughout um, elementary, middle, and then as you got into high school, were you, were you doing any STEM camps? Or I know STEM probably wasn't a big acronym when we were younger like it is now, but were you doing any activities like that? Or was it high school when you went to that informational? That's literally where it all kind of really kind of just started to take shape. Great question. And yes, when I was younger, we didn't have nearly as many STEM camps or resources, at least that I knew about. Right. But my mom was a stay-at-home mom, and she was a babysitter for most of my, my life. Okay. And she was always, I think she was the original Pinterest. Before those Pinterest, <laughs> there was my mom. I love and it. And she would have different experiments and activities for us and the children she would babysit. So she bought um, a set of 15 microscopes. And microscope kits come with their own different um, tools that you look on but then we'd go out and sh or have a scavenger hunt to find different things in the environment and outside and have to bring that back and look in the microscope and explain what we saw or a different thing I'm thinking that my mom had us do was we made lip balm and lip gloss out of like Vaseline wow. and things like that so things that in retrospect is definitely science yeah it's definitely getting us interested but ultimately I think it was just activities keeping us um keeping our mind stimulated beyond sure. just playing around. So that was what I was doing in elementary school. But when I got to high school, the pool was a little bit more robust in terms of resources. And I was, I am a highly coveted in terms of owning my nerdship. So I was on, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I was on Scholastical, which is kind of like Jeopardy. Um, and I was a mathlete. There you go. And I actually was on the robotics team briefly where okay. they were using mouse traps to become like race cars. But I didn't stick with that. So for any students that are listening out there who have tried something and thrown it in the towel and you think that means you can't be an engineer, false. I definitely have tried different things when I was in high school and didn't and found my niche my niche when I got into college. Okay. And Go ahead, go ahead. I can keep going, but I'll No, no, you're good. That, I, lo I love that you mentioned that too, because I mean, there's so many, the demographic is, is, is you got high school students, college students, young professionals. So like, I, I love that you just pointed that out, that if something, you know, doesn't necessarily work out for you or you don't, you're not maybe as interested in that topic, like it's okay. Like, doesn't mean that you're not an engineer or not a scientist or, you know, not whatever. Like you can still um, grow and find something that you do enjoy. That is, thank you for saying that. Um, so in that, in regards to that, so you kind of mentioned um, going to college and kind of furthering that. And so let's talk about how in high school, maybe your senior year, like how you ended up deciding, okay, this is what I want to study in college. Maybe it was, you know, firmly decided. Maybe it wasn't firmly decided, but how you transitioned, made that transition from high school to college, what you um, studied, like how that process was for you, scholarships, like all of that. 
Yes. Before I even decided what I wanted to do, there was a life altering moment I had when I was about 10, okay. where I was hospitalized and it was a near death experience. And that wow. put me on my, my quest that there was an impactful doctor that helped okay. me pull through. So I wanted to become a doctor because of that situation when I was 10. Okay. So from 10 onwards, I knew I wanted to go into medicine. So the question going back to your query on what in high school made me pick chemical engineering, it always had that in destination of medicine. But in order to be a doctor, you have to get like a prerequisite bachelor's degree in something. Okay. So I knew I wanted to do something in the sciences so that I would meet the prerequisites for uh, taking the MCAT and becoming a doctor. So in my mind, it, I loved AP chemistry when I took it in high school. Okay. And I was debating between being uh, going to school studying chemistry versus chemical engineering. Okay. And then I did use the Google to see what type of careers really you could get with a chemistry degree versus chemical engineering. Because me being a planner, I wanted to always plan for plan B. So in case I changed my mind and did not want to go to medical school, I didn't want to spend my time getting a bachelor's degree in something that I didn't want to do. And sure. ultimately, that's kind of set the, set the tone that chemical engineering is like, okay, their careers, it's lucrative. I can come out of undergrad making nice bucks. Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> it is a variety of fields. It allows me to be very like general of what I want to do. And the foundation of chemical engineering was all different things I enjoyed. I loved problem solving. I love math. I love science. I love chemistry. So that was what high school Ashley was thinking. And in terms of how did I get to that next steps tangibly? I was very active in high school in terms of being involved on the social side of things, such as student council and um, the academic side of things. I mentioned Scholastic Bowl and athletes, but I was also valedictorian of my graduating Come class. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so I told you I'm a nerd. So I love I that. Great A's all my life until I got to college, where I was humbled, but we can talk about that in a second. Sure. <laughs> um, and then I was also very active athletically, so, uh, and musically. I played instruments, I played clarinet, oboe, and um, piano, and I was a drum major in high school for three years, so leadership was a big component of my application process, and I was captain of our soccer team, um, and et cetera, et cetera. I was involved, and that really helped paint the picture of being a well-rounded individual and candidate so much so that I got offers and accepted into numerous schools. Ultimately, it came down for me to two schools and I ended up choosing the University of Pittsburgh where I received a full tuition scholarship and admitted into their honors college. So that was what kind of like swayed me. For me, when I was deciding what school to choose between, I wanted to fulfill three requirements. I wanted a school with a great engineering program, so the academic rigor. I wanted a school that was D1 in athletics because back then I cared. And then <laughs> <laughs> the third thing I cared about was living in a city that could stand on its own beyond a school. Okay. So Pittsburgh was a city. Right. So all three of those things were met with the University of Pittsburgh. They were able to fund my chemical engineering degree and it was in a great city. And I actually, of the schools I was admitted into, University of Pittsburgh was the one school I didn't visit. So I went to Pitt blind. Wow. Um, and luckily it turned out wonderfully. But a big piece of advice I received from my mom when I was still on this pre-med track and I was going to go to different schools that didn't necessarily give me full tuition. And her advice was, you know, make sure you have your objectives of what you want to achieve from experience, but you can't beat 
not having debt if you know for a fact you plan on doing a graduate program where you're going to accrue debt. So I'm super happy I heeded her advice. Pitt was a great opportunity. And in terms of any of your listeners out there who are currently studying and looking to get into school, highly recommend one, being involved, finding something you love, either an activity or a sport, and taking the ACT or SAT, the standardized test, at least by your sophomore year. So you see what it's like, you see your opportunity areas, and you can um, improve that by the time you get to your junior year, where it really matters. So academics, be involved, take the test. This is such good, like, information that, like, gems, like, literally just dropping gems. And so um, for our listeners, um, because we, you know, got young professionals, we got college students, but high school students as well. And um, I just, I love the fact that you're just laying out this roadmap, which is the whole purpose of this STEM music podcast of what you just recently said about, you know, just making sure you're taking the test early, you have goals uh, set in front of you. But I love, I'm going to point back to something that is extremely simple, the Googler, you know, <laughs> like sometimes, um, no matter if you're in high school trying to go to college or college trying to become a professional, um, just taking the time out to say, you know what, let me sit down and Google what a chemical engineer is is going to do, what options do they have. And so I love that you pointed that out because that's something that's so accessible uh, to most people, right? Um, if, we're, if you have a phone, most likely you have internet and, and access is um, here or there, depending on, you know, your situation, your upbringing circumstance, but it is, it is typically something you can get to, um, to just find out that basic information that you want to um, have in regards to figuring out what you want to study in college um, and what you want to do professionally. Um, but man, and then just to know that you went full ride um, based on the activities, based on your um, academic excellence uh, that you had in high school. So I, I just think that's very awesome and very encouraging for um, students in high school who might be listening to this and uh, wondering how to get to that STEM uh, degree um, and do it without any debt. Like that's a really, really good thing. So um, thank you for sharing. I mean, just true gems. Go ahead and name those three things again that you said, because um, I, I want to make sure they hear that. And then I'll ask my next question in regards to college. Yes. The three things that I think are instrumental for high school students to get scholarships and to get recognition is one, academics, make sure you do well in the classroom. To take your standardized tests as early as possible. There are free resources out there, such as Kaplan and Princeton Review, that will allow you to take pre-tests as early as freshman, sophomore year. So you have ample amount of time to master the test and get those coins. And then three, make sure that you're involved. So colleges want to know you're going to be a great addition to their campus and their culture so that doesn't mean everyone needs to be soccer captain find out what you're passionate about what you care about and dig in get involved be a leader be an active contributor because ultimately that will translate into an amazing candidate for colleges perfect man perfect perfect this is so cool you are just a phenomenal guest i love the information you're you're giving out so the next question being okay you you decided you got the full ride scholarship you're at university of pittsburgh and you're in college now. And so walk us through the journey of, of you know, just progressing through college. Obviously, you said, uh, you know, you were humbled a little bit in regards to, you know, being valedictorian and now uh, being in college. And then I also would like you to touch on uh, two things. And so we can, we can get to them uh, 
in regards to a Tanzania trip that I feel like had a, a big influence on you. And then also NSBE, National Society of Black Engineers, which that is how we met. Um, so go ahead and tell us that journey in college, um, just what it was like, how you were humbled, um, but also, you know, touching on that trip that you had and, and Nesby. Yeah. So I, prior to starting school, attended the Summer Bridge Program, which a lot of org, um, institutions have. I highly recommend them. They usually are created by the engineering or the diversity office to help underrepresented minorities, which could be people of color and women, like transition easier into college. It was two weeks prior to classes starting and that's where I got a crash course on physics. I had never seen physics before. Okay. I was able to be refreshed on other classes and I met my best friends that I was going to maintain throughout undergrad during those first two weeks. I was able to get adjusted to college life and just really learn what it's like to be on my own. So the summer bridge program is where my college started. Okay. Um, as I mentioned, that my first semester, I had never seen physics before. I jumped straight in with a pretty heavy curriculum of physics, chemistry, um, forgetting, calculus, engineering, analysis, and psychology. So took the maximum amount of credits, all science classes, and uh, physics kicked my butt, y'all. It was super hard for me to really conceptually grasp, especially being a first-time um, seeing it, and I was in the same class as people who had taken physics AP or IB classes, and I am very determined. I am a hard worker, and I truly am a Disney child. I believe if you work hard enough, your whole life is going to be a Disney montage. <laughs> False. I love that. I love that. <laughs> so I did that with physics. I, I was kicking my butt, and I decided to buckle down harder, study harder, work harder, and it would all work out, and it did not. And um, my focus on physics ended up negatively affecting my other classes to the point mm. that I finally yielded after my academic advisor, who and I were very close, connected me with different upperclassmen who had went through the same thing that I was going through and came out the other side, great individuals and academically strong. I finally yielded and withdrew from the class. And that was a big blow to my academic confidence. I had never failed before. Gotcha. Prior to that experience, failing to me was getting like a B versus wow. in that moment of working as hard as I could and still not doing well enough, I had a, an internal crisis where I didn't know who I was because in terms of how I saw myself and what I defined myself was my academic, my academic prowess. I was right. always great at X, Y, and Z. So the fact that I wasn't sent me on a quarter life crisis. But the, 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 the great thing about that is it taught me how to fail early in my mm. academic experience. And I think that's essential within college, professionally, and as a person to be able to jump straight in, be able to fail, learn from that failure, and bounce back, come back stronger. So I was able to withdraw from that class, bounce back on my other classes, retake physics, that next semester did very well in terms of where I was before. Um, and ultimately, fast forward to the end of my academic career, I graduated and was the commencement speaker for the University of Pittsburgh in the come class of 2016. Come on, come on, that's incredible, wow. So Man. it's definitely one 
negative point of your story does not define who you are. It's how you learn from those experiences. And I definitely learned one that what got me to college wasn't going to take me further. Being able to study on my own and buckle down alone wasn't how I worked best. I worked best really leveraging my resources, talking, doing team group projects, talking to professors, and that is how I was able to update my study style to what was best for me. So my takeaway from that story for anyone listening, not only is learn how to fail and that your failure does not define you, but learn what works best for you. Everyone has different strengths and weaknesses and everyone's not going to succeed. Everyone's success does not look the same. So that's that story. That is, that is like, wow, that's, that's so incredible because, you know, that, that is something that I try to, um, you know, uh, allow my guests to speak about here on the podcast is like, because sometimes we do hear all the incredible things, which are incredible about you or any other guests, but like to share that story of like, yeah, there was some failure in there. There was some, you know, stumbling um, through, but I think, you know, just the, the ability to say, you know what, I'm going to persevere. Like I'm going to have to change, like you said, those study habits or, or make different relationships or do what I need to do. But just the act of saying, all right, got to get back up and keep going, you know, um, and not letting that stop. Cause I think a lot of times, um, you know, kids, high school students, um, especially if you're black or Latino and you're coming up and you're joining uh, world, maybe your school wasn't, you know, didn't have the rigor or maybe it did, but maybe it's just a different environment and just trying to do that, especially if you're first generation. Um, it, it takes some time to uh, get, get adjusted to. So um, that's such a great confidence booster just for anyone. And even in your professional life of just saying, fail fast, it's all good. And, you know, you just got to keep, keep going and figure out a way to adapt most importantly yes. as you're moving forward. So I really want to dive into this story. Because first of all, this is so cool because I know you, but I'm like learning so much about you. And it's like, wow, this is awesome. Um, of, of this Tanzania trip. Um, and because you were talking earlier to us about how you were, your pursuit was to be a medical doctor. You know, this pivotal moment in your life at 10 years old, this doctor was really extremely helpful and influential in your life. So, hey, this is what I want to do. Um, and then how that kind of shifted because of this trip in college. Yes. I was able to apply to this fellowship program. Once again, so background, I forgot to mention, I'm the baby of seven. So I'm from a huge family. I was blessed with a full tuition scholarship and my parents worked very hard, but we definitely are not rich. So <laughs> a lot of the things that I wanted to do in undergrad, I had to be scrappy and find ways to, to pay for it that didn't come out of pocket because I was not getting any funding from my family. Sure. So I was, I was very blessed to get a fellowship for women who had never traveled abroad before and a women in leadership fellowship. And I picked a project that allowed me to do my own personal medical research in rural Tanzania in a place called Karabwe. I did uh, my medical thesis was basically how can we test the growth and development of children internationally um, in terms of malnutrition? And my goal was to create a standardization coefficient where the growth and development of people is consistent across wherever you're from, but the baseline of how much people weigh in terms of babies is different if you're born in a developing country versus the United States. We have fatter babies. We know that. Gotcha. So that, gotcha. that was basically my research, but I won't get on my nerd soapbox talking about that <laughs> what the what the project took me to was tanzania and i ended up sitting with a nurse 
for those four to six weeks. And my takeaway from being in this rural village when very few people spoke English, it was all Swahili, was I learned about myself that my passion for helping people was aligned with food security, hmm. not medicine. What and do you you're probably what wondering do you mean by how, food security? What do you mean by that? Yeah, food access. And you're probably wondering how did I get from talking about babies and being fat to food? It's because I was with these um, in this community where contrary to what I'd seen growing up on Feed the Children commercials, like they had food, but they had a lot of the same food. Mm. And the lack of nutritional variety in terms of think of the, the pyramid or the plate for right. new age kids. <laughs> if you have a lot of one thing, you can still be as like nutrient deficient and you can still be malnourished even if you're eating ample amounts of food every day. Wow, and okay. that's a lot of the issues that babies were coming into this clinic with swollen be bellies that you would think they're overeating, but that's a negative um, effect of malnutrition. So wow. really seeing the, the ample side effects of only having a few different types of food really surprised me because it was 2013 you know we are in mm -hmm. modern day right the modern world where in the u.s we waste so much food so the mm. fact that this community that had ample amount a certain amount of food didn't have everything made me want to know why why couldn't we have different type of foods why couldn't they have the supply chain to get everything they need like everywhere else so i was on this quest of food security so i left tanzania with this new energized way of like, how am I going to leverage my chemical engineering degree to help people by providing food solutions? And once again, as I mentioned before, I went to the Google. I was like, okay, who does this? How can I get involved? And I stumbled upon a nonprofit called Partners in Food Solutions, okay. where they basically leverage technical experts who volunteer the time to teach different food farmers or food manufacturers on the continent of Africa how to fish versus giving the fish. And when I say how to fish, I yeah. mean, you, they're teaching them how to produce food, how to grow the crops, how to build the supply chain. This nonprofit was created by General Mills. So ah. I wanted to be involved in Partners in Food Solutions, but in order to be involved, I had to work at General Mills. So gotcha. I ended up stumbling upon General Mills, this wonderful initiative, applying for a job. I did not get it. I was young and I ended up serendipitously applying for a Nesby General Mills corporate scholarship and I received it the ah. following year. So the following year after all this happened, um, I had the first year right after I applied to General Mills, worked really hard, didn't get, they got an interview, but I didn't get the job. They wanted more experience. So I did a co-op rotation with a different company. Fast forward a year later, I applied for a scholarship that was held by General Mills that put me on their radar. They called me, I interviewed, I got the job, and fast forward five years later, I am still happily employed at General Mills. And this all started because of my time in Tanzania. Wow, that is incredible. Just, just the fact that you were doing that in college. I'm, I'm sitting here like, Roy, what, what, were you, 
what were you doing? Actually, across the, the world in, in Africa, in Tanzania, like saving babies' lives. And you, what were you doing? What were you doing in college, Roy? Wow, that is incredible. And just to hear that story and that journey, I think for listeners, especially college students now, you know, in this section of the interview of just hearing how you, you kind of have to be uh, intentional about what you're doing, but also just open, you know, you were mm-hmm. just open to having that experience there. Um, obviously, you wanted to travel abroad and that was a part of it, but you were open to learning about what you were learning about there and, and allowing that then to kind of seep in and be like, wow, this is a newfound passion. But then how you said, uh, once again, it's just that perseverance of saying, okay, I didn't get the, the job, but you know what? I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm never reaching out to that company again. Nope. I see a scholarship with their name on it. I'm apply. And then bam, you get this scholarship. And, and now you've been working for the company for five years. So we will get into um, your professional role because I definitely want to talk about that. But you mentioned that this scholarship that you ended up receiving and applying for that was a General Mills scholarship was via NSBE, National Society of mm-hmm. Black Engineers. And so I'm sure we could talk all day about NSBE. Um, but for the sake of the podcast, I definitely want you to kind of um, uh, introduce Nesby, if you will, because you're kind of like the first one on the podcast that, um, you know, a former friend who was on a, a previous episode was in Nesby with me as well. But we definitely served in a capacity where we saw all levels of the organization. So I'd love for you to give a, just a brief uh, intro of Nesby and, and maybe just some of the roles that you've been able to serve in. Um, and then it will jump into your, your professional roles. Definitely. So the National Society of Black Engineers, a.k.a. Nesby is an organization, the largest student-led organization in the country with over 30,000 members, and they're committed to increasing the number of culturally responsible Black engineers who excel academically, succeed professionally, and positively impact the community. So what that really boils down to is Nesby is working to ensure that our workforce replicates and looks like the cultural makeup of our world. So if Black people make up 13% of the population, then our engineering workforce should make up at least 13% of the population. Versus currently, we make up more so 4% of the workforce Mm -hmm. population. So there's a large gap, and that's what Nesby is there to really bridge that gap by getting K-12 through students exposed to what engineering and STEM looks like and how they can be involved. Um, Nesby then helps people get involved and stay matriculate into college, stay in college on the collegiate level. And then after you graduate with your degree, Nesby continues to be part of your journey by supporting you and connecting you with professionals, resources, and ultimately how to be a boss in your career. So Nesby is with you from the beginning all the way to the end. And it's definitely been like that for me. So I started Nesby as a freshman in college. Well, to be honest, I did a sleepover camp through uh, the Nesby University of Illinois in Urbana-Champaign program when I was a high school senior. And that was another moment where I was like, oh my gosh, I love engineering. (laughs) Remember, we built like a cardboard canoe. So we were broken up in the teams. This is a really quick antidote. We woke up in the teams and we built cardboard canoes out of cardboard and duct tape. And we only had about an hour or two to build it and it had to withstand uh, a human was going to get in that canoe and had to be able to float and go across the pool and we did that as a team it was super fun and that just further solidified that engineering was for me but that was fresh that was before awesome that is awesome in college 
I was in actively involved NSBE on a chapter level, serving as the academic excellence chair, where we won two years in a row a big award for our retention program at the University of Pittsburgh. I then transitioned to regional leadership, and regional leadership, for people who are not familiar with NSBE, it's an organization that's broken up into six geographic regions. University of Pittsburgh is was the mid-Atlantic region, so that I was on that board of directors, ranging from the program's chair, also as the overall chair for the region. And then I, after that, I transitioned to national leadership, where I was the national pre-college initiative chair, where I focused on creating the strategy for the K-12 demographic, which about 10,000 people, including students and their, their advisors. During that time, that's when we created that SEMI program that Roy mentioned in the introduction, the Stimulating Young Minds Institute. If you want to know more about that, I can speak on it. After I graduated, I transitioned from the collegiate side of Nesby into the professional side of Nesby on the local level in the Twin Cities, aka Minneapolis, St. Paul. I served as the treasurer and then the president for two years. And then on the regional level, I served as the membership chair and then the chair-elect. And now I am the region four, which is the Midwest region, overall professionals chair. So all that to say, I am deeply, deeply, deeply involved in NSBE. I am a lifetime member. I believe NSBE. If anyone ever wants to have any conversation about NSBE, look me up on LinkedIn. I'm always down to talk about it. Wow, you are you are incredible. Like I knew I knew you would break it down in a way that was like anybody's listening to this and trying to find out about Nesby for the first time. Like you just did an incredible uh, job of communicating that. Um, and so, as she mentioned, um, how we ended up meeting, she she mentioned that there's a regional breakdown, and so there's six regions um, in Nesby. And so I was Region Five chair at the time. Um, and she was region two chair. And so we, we were serving on the same, as a regional chair, you, you're the head of your region, but then you're also uh, serving on the national board to represent your region. And so that's where we ended up meeting up. And, and I too am uh, Nesby for life. And Nesby was extremely helpful in uh, my journey through engineering in college and then also in my professional life. So thank you so much for breaking that down and, and sharing that. So uh, in regards to jumping back to your uh, professional uh, career, uh, I Real love- quick before I forgot two more things. Oh, I'm go sorry, ahead. you know, Nesby's really big for me. Nesby also has a summer engineering experience for kids Seek. camp. <laughs> yes. So Seek, yes, it's a free engineering experience camp for um, a variety of ages. You can look, up, look it up, Seek, Nesby, and I was a mentor for that in Philadelphia. And we okay. also have Nesby Junior chapters so that is a way for parents, if you're listening to this, or community members, if you want to get more students involved in STEM, you can create Nesby Junior chapters. And I wanted to get my local area more involved. So my mom and my dad actually started a local Nesby Junior chapter back in my Chicago area suburbs that both my niece and my nephews went through. And it was impactful enough that my niece actually just started at the University of Kentucky this past year majoring in, um, in engineering. So Nesby Jr. works. That is awesome. Thing. No, that is so cool. Yes. And to anybody listening who wants to do that, yes. Um, you can find all sorts of resources um, on the Nesby website, um, but you also can reach out to me personally or um, as she mentioned, her LinkedIn. LinkedIn. So 
man, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, and you got to love Nesby. I was saying, by the way, I was saying the mission statement with you, <laughs> like <laughs> verbatim, because we have to say, we had to say that all the time in the organization, which really just like proves the, the love that we have for it. And everybody knows it. We always stand up when we say the mission statement. It was, it was an amazing and still is an amazing uh, organization to be a part of. So um, jumping into your professional role, um, and I'm just going to, uh, you know, highlight the part that I really want you to talk about because it blew my mind. You know, when, when you think about chemical engineering, I'm, I majored in aerospace and I'm in the aerospace world. And so um, I don't know that much about uh, chemical engineering. So I always wondered like, okay, maybe like she said, uh, Ashley mentioned uh, perfume, you know, cologne, that sort of thing. But I just remember talking to Ashley while we were uh, serving on the, on the regional board together, or the, the national board in Nesby. And she mentioned something about cereal. And I was thinking like, <laughs> what in the world? Like food? And this is prior to like knowing, listening to the story that she just shared with all of us on the podcast about how, you know, food led her into what her role and what she's doing. So um, I want you to tell us about your professional role um, for those who might be interested in, in going and following in your, in your footsteps, but also just highlighting that cereal story that you told me. And, you know, other things that you do within with with food in your career definitely the story that Roy is referencing is when I interned at General Mills my second year I was working in our cereal department and for anyone that does not is not familiar with what kind of products General Mills makes we make Cheerios we make Reese's Puffs Lucky Charms all the delicious things you love Flex so, on. I was working, <laughs> so what I was working on that summer is a brand called Oatmeal Crisp. It's like a flaky cereal. It's super big in Canada, but only like the older demographic really eats it here in, in um, the U.S. And what I was telling Roy about my project was I was creating the pipeline of innovation, which is just saying I'm making the I, different flavors that we're going to have for that cereal for the next five years. And he was like, and they were asking, like, how is that science? What, is, aren't you just putting something in a box? False. So when you think of your cereal, there is, like, different science that goes into it. The simplest way I'll describe it is think of surface area. If you have a flaky cereal and you put that in milk, it's a larger surface area, so it's going to float. So if you want to add something into it, such as, like, clusters, think of honey bunches of oats or um, marshmallows, like Lucky Charms, you need something with a flake cereal that is also going to float. So you need to work on its density, its weight. Um, how large is it? Will it mess up the, the different manufacturing line? Because think of when you eat your cereal, if everything floats and then you end up putting a chocolate chip in the box, then that chocolate chip is going to sink to the bottom of your bag in the box. So you won't never even get it in your bowl to the end of the box. Or it's going to sink to the bottom of your bowl when you're eating. And no one wants to have all their stuff at the bottom and then the flakes at the top. When you eat your cereal, you want everything to be like homogeneously bl blended together. So that's like the story he's talking about. Oh, so my goodness. It's, it's just as amazing as when you told me. <laughs> I haven't heard that since you me back serving on the national board. Like, y'all, like, it's just, it's incredible because, like, sometimes we just don't know um, and this is what I love about this podcast and why it was started. STEM Music Nation, listen, y'all. Like, there's so many things we don't know within uh, STEM careers. And so, like, who who would have thought that you would be working on cereal? 
by majoring in chemical engineering. And so um, I just, I wanted her to share that story and she's going to get ready to talk about other things she's been doing with food in her current role right now. But um, it just highlights the fact that there's so many different things that you can do in within a STEM career. Um, and so, you know, don't, don't limit that by whatever the title says or whatever somebody else might've shared or like, you want to do chemical engineering? What are you going to do with that? Like now, you know, you can do cologne perfume, you can do cereal and a whole bunch of other things that she might be uh, talking about next. So go ahead and share uh, what's your current role now, what, what you're doing. Maybe you could talk about some projects. I know you posted on IG um, some tacos, if I'm remembering correctly. And I'm sitting here looking at your IG like, wow, this is amazing yet again. So go ahead and, and just dive into that. Yeah. So I have had a nice amount of roles at General Mills. I currently work in packaging. So what I described previously was product. And the difference is product is what you eat. Packaging is what you touch on the shelves um, before you, what you open, what you throw away, hopefully what you recycle before you eat it. Now, projects I worked on, he's talking about uh, tacos. I worked on a brand called Old El Paso, which is the yellow box if you have taco nights frequently. They're those taco shells that can stand on their own. Yo. Super delicious. And I was able to make certain products. So I created um, a new product, which is a low sodium seasoning in a canister or a different type of taco shell kit. And once again, science, it's not any type of Frankenstein science. It's just like how cooking is a science, making sure it, it tastes delicious. It's e easy to scale up on a manufacturing line. And ultimately, it can make it to your different stores without being broken, without being stale, and maintaining its freshness. That's my job. Now, what I do now in packaging, I'm really focusing on sustainability. And sustainability, for people who are not aware, it's more or less how are we making sure this world that we have been blessed with stays and is able to maintain its resources for generations to come. And as a company, why we care about that is we've made a commitment that by 2030, we want to have all of our packaging to be 100% recyclable. Wow. Because we have, there's so much plastic that is in the landfill that's, mm -hmm. going, that's going into the oceans and companies are taking a stance that we want to be the change that we wish to see. So General Mills has made that commitment. And my job is to really lay out the strategy as to how my specific business unit is going to get that done domestically here in the United States, as well as internationally. So right now I'm working really hard on Europe and Australia, who has, has the same commitment by 2025. So y'all, that's like five years from now. So wow. we are working hard to find ways in terms of whatever you eat. Once you open that Nature Valley snack bar, after you eat that Yoplait yogurt, you can recycle it and we're making the world better than we found it. That is, that is incredible. Thank you for sharing that insight to what you're doing specifically. But, um, you know, just I love it because it's, it's giving people, giving listeners, giving STEM Music Nation, those who are wanting to follow in your footsteps or maybe are in a current career right now and want to do something different. It's like this is something that is um, out there. So moving forward, as we're coming to the back end of the interview, um, I wanted to uh, talk about just uh, some of those awards that were, were mentioned at the beginning um, in your introduction of being awarded as a General Mills Emerging Young Leader um, and a General Mills Volunteer Champion of the Year, and then also the 50, um, to name to the 50 women in business list of the Twin Cities. And so being, you know, with the company five years and, and being a young professional, 
Um, just how, how were you able to garner those awards? I'm sure you weren't going, knowing you personally, I'm sure you weren't going to work like, I got to do this so I can get this award. But I just, I think for the young professionals that might be listening to the podcast, um, you could kind of share some tips on like, what should I be doing or how should I be to be seen either to get that raise or to get that promotion or um, to garner awards like that? Like I said, we're not necessarily doing it because we want an award, but they came because you were doing something right. So um, I'd like you to kind of give an insight to that if you can. Yeah, short answer is similar to what I said in high school. Find something that you care about, that you're passionate about, that makes you wake up and be very good at that. For me, that is leadership and diversity and inclusion. So I do my job, love my job, but what I do outside of the engineering is I really love to foster a strong community that uplifts um, people of color. So I am very active in the Black Champions Network. I'm very active in different affinity networks and building the culture and helping HR and going beyond um, above and beyond my my level and my role to make General Mills a better place and have just made great connections and learned a lot because of it that has put me in spaces that my name is dropped in buckets, that my brand, when people speak about me, they speak about me in a way that um, they see me as a leader, even though I was an entry-level employee because I leveraged all the skills and training that Nesby gave me in terms of project management and how to inspire people to get things done in those activities I was passionate about, which was that cultural leadership, as I mentioned. So I was nominated for the Emerging Young Leaders Award, and that's how I received that. For the um, volunteer champion, I led a committee that created our inaugural Martin Luther King Week of Service. We had never had it before. Wow. We it went from concept to um, execution. We had over 500 hours um, globally. So sites all over the, the world participated. And for that going from just an idea to actuality, and we partnered with our General Mills Foundation as well as all the affinity networks at General Mills. And that event was very successful. And that also put my name in the running for Volunteer Champion of the Year. That was a big surprise. I got a parking spot for like Ooh. three months out of it. And anyone who knows me, I'm such a nerd. The fact that I got a parking spot made my entire year. That oh is that's <laughs> awesome. Wow. And then the, the last one, the top 50 women in business, that came as a result of my affinity. I'm in the BCN, as I mentioned, but my president of that organization actually nominated me for that award. It was a super surprise. I was so humbled and honored. I... Have we received other awards? I received two Nesby awards in previous years that were also amazing. And I didn't realize the, the, the gravity and the weight of the top 50 women in business until I was at the ceremony. And I heard the other women I was on the list with. And I just had immediate, um, like, wow, imposter syndrome. That's the word I was thinking There you of, go, yeah. <laughs> where they had the, the first Hispanic mayor in the state of Minnesota or the first woman CEO, uh, I think the Best Buy or Cargill was on the list with me. And here's me, the youngest person on the list. I'm like, wow, I make cereal and I'm on this list. <laughs> that um, is, <laughs> I got chills right now. Cause like, man, that is, that's incredible. That is incredible. It, it's truly a blessing that I cannot give Honestly, I can't give advice on like how to be on these lists because I don't know how I got on there, but I can say it all boils down to the integrity that you have and who you are when and people are looking and when they're not looking. 
So I am committed to diversity and culture creating and being the best version of me and bringing the best version of the people around me at all times. And that has just been super conducive in building a brand that has yielded people to nominate me for these awards. That, that is, that's gold. That's gold right there. Um, and so I think people can take that and, and see that, yeah, you just, you just, you just got your head down and you are just grinding away in the best way you're aware of what's going on and trying to make a difference for um, people of color, women of color, which is perfect. And it leads right into my next question. Um, I think listeners can tell, and I can certainly tell from listening to you in this episode that you're not necessarily someone who's uh, held back by, you know, being a black woman in STEM, a black woman in, in engineering. Um, however, I am interested to see, you know, were, were there any obstacles or any comments or any things that you might have uh, come up against, um, any hurdles in regards to being not only a black person, but a black woman in engineering, in STEM. Um, and so just curious to know about, um, any struggles or any perspectives or anything that you might have come up against that you had to persevere through? Because sometimes, um, even though you can have the attitude of, you know, that stuff's not going to stop me just because I'm, I'm a black woman, that's not going to stop me. Uh, we know that this world is real. So I'm just interested in yeah. uh, your, your perspective on that, maybe uh, your experience and how someone listening, a young black girl listening or a woman listening, being able to say, oh, okay, like I can do this too. Like, yeah, I would say something that I see for myself and within the Black community and a lot of minorities is it's harder for us to brag about ourselves and to emphasize what we're doing. And that ultimately can and has impacted if I'm doing all these things that I care about because I think it's what's right and I don't talk about it because I'm not doing it for bragging rights. So then I have peers who are doing half as much and talking twice as much, mm. then they get recognition, promotions and things like that, that starts to um, weigh on is, is my worth less than that. So I think something I'm constantly working on is how to articulate what I'm doing, be able to connect that to business impact. Why is it important? And how am I leading this? And the company's better because I've done it. So starting on that, because I think that's very fresh in my mind. Sure. But being a black woman in engineering, you're one of very few. So that's something I've definitely dealt with. So for instance, when I graduated in 2016, we filled out a survey um, like your, your graduation survey, they wanted to hear what you thought of your experience. And over 10,000 people went, graduated that year from University of Pittsburgh. They asked a couple baseline questions and um, just to see demographically who was filling out the survey. They asked, um, what school were you in? So that narrowed it down to like the engineering school is like 1,500 people. Then they asked, what degree within the engineering school? So that narrowed the 500 people down to 150 Kimmies. They asked your gender that, um, no, they asked your race. So that took the 150 down to, to four, four black people. And then they asked what your gender was. And the four went down to one. Wow. So I was the only black woman that graduated with a chemical and engineering degree in 2016. Wow. So as a result of that, it, it definitely weighed on me in the beginning that I felt like I couldn't have a bad day. Like if I was upset or if I was angry, for a lot of my classmates, it was their first time interacting with a black person, yet alone a black woman. So if I was mean, then they would just, that would further 
solidify the angry black woman stereotype. Mm. And on the opposite end, it made me feel like I had to be like twice as good and not ask for help because I didn't want people to think I was stupid or I was there for affirmative action. And there were all these self-imposed like mental shackles because I was the one of none in the beginning. And I think that's part of the reason why I struggled asking for help on physics immediately. Sure. But one of the things that I was able to grow and through my fellowship with Nesby is yes, demographically, I'm one of very few, but I'm inherently still Ashley McCray. Like I am a black woman. That is who I am, but I'm also Ash. I'm Ashley McCray inherently as well. So being able to learn from that in undergrad has made it very, a lot easier for me to transition into the workforce where there aren't always a lot of us. Um, General Mills is very diverse, so I'm not the only black woman. But when I worked at a different oil and gas company prior, I was definitely the only person of color in my first rotation and definitely um, one of two women and the only person there under the age of 35. So the triple minority. Right. And and it's real. Um, That's why Nesby's here to help change those numbers. But as we're working to change those numbers, it really takes us to communicate and find allies and friends beyond just our skin tone beyond our our, um, gender so i've learned to expand my allies and mentors beyond black people Um, i've learned to be able to be my authentic self and communicate who i am not the the version of me that i think is whitewashed and will get me um, promoted faster and i think everyone's journey is different i've been able to work the way that I work because that's who I am, but other people want to do different things. So I know that's a long winded answer. No, that was great. That was great. I think it's, it's great because you're sharing and this is, and this is why I'm picking the guests that I'm picking and, 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 you know, I just know that you'll be able to communicate that because there's, there's some young girl out there, young black girl, who's like, I want to do this, but I'm feeling this way about it. Uh, You know, I want to study chemical engineering. I want to study petroleum or whatever, whatever it is. And feeling like, having that imposter syndrome, having, um, you know, the pressure, you know, feeling that the pressure on, on her shoulders. And so for, for her to be able to hear you say, yes, I've gone through that too, but look, I'm on the other side and I've, here's what I've learned. And hopefully we'll be able to encourage her at this uh, moment in time, whether she's in high school or in college or a young professional, um, that she can adopt those same uh, perspectives and, and lessons that you've learned to help her, um, persevere and, and move forward successfully. So no, thank you for sharing that. The last thing that I want to touch on um, before we jump into uh, the music, which I'm very excited about, um, is uh, further study. So I know in our pre-interview, you had mentioned um, grad school and looking into uh, going into that. Um, I believe you just recently shared where you're going and feel free. You're at the, it's at your liberty. So if you want to share that, that's fine. If not, it's perfectly okay. But just talking about like why uh, further, furthering your education um, was something that you, you decided you wanted to do. Yeah, I love, I told you I've a nerd at least four times on this podcast. I love <laughs> learning. I knew I wanted to go back to school before I graduated undergrad. I honestly thought I was going to get my PhD. Okay. But for me, I wanted to get a graduate degree in something I was passionate about. And I felt the best way to figure out what older Ashley was passionate about was by working first. And by working these past few years at General Mills and at the other oil and 
gas company I mentioned, I really found myself fixated and gravitating towards the business side of things, strategy and understanding how organizations work, the ones that thrive and the ones that aren't successful. And that really put me on the path to pursuing my MBA, so going to school to learn more about business. If anyone uh, is listening to this who's an underrepresented minority, I highly recommend you looking into the consortium if you're thinking about business school. Um, also look into a program called MLT, which is Management Leaders for Tomorrow, which also helps get people ready for business school. I, it has been an 18-month process or longer, and I'm super excited that I have gotten news as to what schools I will be able to decide between. I won't make my decision until spring. Okay. But some of the schools that I'm considering with amazing offers include Harvard Business School. Come on. Hold on. Just pause right there, y'all. I, I didn't know if you were going to say it or not. But what in the world? Okay, continue, continue. <laughs> so Harvard Business School, the University of Michigan's Ross School of Business, Duke University Fuqua School of Business, and I was even waitlisted for Stanford University. So all four of these schools are amazing. They're all top 15 programs, great cultures, amazing locations, and I'm truly blessed to have them as considerations. And as I find out and what I make my decision, I'll be sure to share that back with the group. But I say that because um, it's an ever-evolving journey. I'm excited to get my business school degree, but it's similar to the, the process I described picking for undergrad. The difference, I would say, as for professionals who are thinking about pursuing a graduate degree and professionals and collegiate students looking to find a career or pivot into a different career, informational interviews is the new Google. So please continue to Google, but leverage LinkedIn, leverage your network to find out who's doing what you want to do and meet with them, talk to them, schedule coffees, and you'd be surprised how many connections and resources and tips and tricks will really put you on the path that makes the most sense for you. And that's what I'm doing now over these next couple months, having coffee chats and deciding what school is the best school for me. So I'll keep you guys posted on what I decide. That is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that because I know that is a thing like as a young professional, especially, and even if you aren't a young professional, you're a little further in your professional career, um, just trying to figure out what to do in regards to grad school. But, but as Ashley mentioned, uh, definitely reach out to people. You'd be surprised how many uh, people will be willing to sit with you um, and, and mentor you, or even just have a conversation, a one-off conversation, like she said, with coffee um, or, or meeting somewhere in a restaurant or whatever. I've done that in my career as well, just trying to see like, is this something I want to do? I remember I was coming to a point where I was thinking about sales engineering within the aerospace industry where they're, they're teaming with uh, sales representatives to sell aircraft. And they need sales engineers to communicate, you know, okay, this is the takeoff distance of the aircraft and all this stuff. And so that was something that was intriguing me at the time. And so I, I was like, let me reach out to my network and find out. And nobody in my network knew about that, but somebody in my network did know somebody who was in that field. And I was able to sit down and have a conversation. So I love that you mentioned that because yes, Google is great because it kind of gives you that basic knowledge, but being able to actually sit down or have a phone conversation with somebody is definitely going to give you uh, more insight to, to help you make that those kind of decisions. So man, just a wealth of knowledge. Like, thank you so much for sharing everything. I'm very excited now to finish up the podcast. 
um, with music. And so uh, part of the STEM Music Podcast, obviously, is to highlight multicultural STEM professionals, but also the music they love. And so you sent over a couple of songs. And so what I'll do is I'll just go through them and I'll say, you know, the name of the song, the artist, and the, the things that when I listen to them, I just made some bullet points of like what I either thought of or how it made me feel or what I liked about it. And then you can kind of briefly share uh, your, you know, why you chose it. And then we'll just move through them pretty quickly. And then uh, we'll, we'll wrap up the podcast. So the first song uh, that I uh, went ahead and listened to was Perfect by Ed Sheeran. And uh, wow, just a, a beautiful, beautiful song. I, I wrote down here, beautiful music. The lyrics are amazing. And it makes me think of my friend's wedding because he actually requested, him and his wife requested the song. Um, and I was the wedding singer. So I was singing uh, perfect. So it, it always reminds me of that. But why did you choose the song? Exactly how I described it. It's beautiful. Ed Sharon has an amazing voice, even more amazing lyrics. And similarly to what you described, my fiance proposed to me with uh, perfect in the background. Uh, so that song will always have a special place in my heart. And congratulations on that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Next song on here was uh, uh, I Am Every Woman, uh, Whitney, Whitney Houston version. So one, it makes me think of Shaka Khan, um, who kind of had that uh, original. And um, I watched, I actually watched the music video when I listened to it. So I'm not sure if it's on the regular uh, song, you know, without the music video. But the intro, the acapella-esque intro um, I loved, like, I thought that was dope. I, it, it was a refresher because I hadn't listened to her version in a long time. Um, the music was so fun and funky. And obviously, Whitney Houston and her vocal ability is just crazy. So what about you? Yes, all of that and above. It is my get me pumped up. If I'm ever feeling doubtful, if I can do something, I, that's my get my hype song. And it was um, briefly, I think it was the intro for Oprah Winfrey's show at some point during okay. her, her tenure. And Oprah is also a boss within its own right. So I think I Am Every Woman just powers me up to know that I'm a boss. I'm going to get it done, whatever it is. And Whitney is just amazing. Right. So I Am Every Woman is by far my favorite get you hype, pump me up to, to conquer the world song. Love it. Love it. Love it. Next one I have on here is Happy by Pharrell. I just put simply, it's a jam. Fun fact about this song. I'm not sure if you know this. You probably do because we're both nerds. But um, I think about CeeLo because Pharrell wrote Happy for CeeLo and it was supposed to be his song. However, it didn't work out for whatever reason. And so he recorded it and it obviously became a huge thing and like his biggest song. Um, fun. I think of kids and I think of Despicable Me because it was on the soundtrack of that. Despicable Me 2. It was on the soundtrack of that movie. And I actually, like my siblings and I randomly saw that movie in theaters. It was such a random thing. And so I heard that song watching that movie, but it wasn't until like a year later that the song actually blew up. So that was, that song is always like, wow, like it just blows my mind how that uh, all happened. So what about you? I did not know that fun fact about CeeLo, but it makes perfect sense because yeah, that right? song is definitely CeeLo. Right. And I know I didn't put this on there, but it's Christmas time when we're filming this. If anyone has not heard CeeLo Green's Christmas album, bruh, fire. 
Well, I'm gonna have to anyway. check that out. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, but the reason why I picked Kathy is I think it's an embodiment of who I am. I'm naturally a very jovial person. I even used Happy as my campaign song for some Nesby position I ran. With. <laughs> and when I sent it out, someone immediately like direct messaged me and they're like, oh my gosh, this song is totally you. And I agree. If I'm ever having a bad day or I'm sad or I'm just in a funk or I'm frustrated, if I play the song immediately, I'm back at a 10. I mean, it's like right when it starts. Dun, 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 dun. And my, I mean, it's just like, it's just like, you got to switch your mood. That's awesome. That's I love that you said you used it for a camp. Like y'all, Nesby is like, man, it's Nesby is life. And like, we were just so committed and still are like, when you were running for something, I love that. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you're, it's like you're running for president, like of the United States. Like you're, you're really, you know. Yes, you're, you are in it. it. Yes, I love that. Okay, so we only got two more. Um, as by Stevie Wonder, and and I said this in our pre-interview. I was like, uh, I know a lot of Stevie Wonder songs, but I don't know this song. And I was like, very shocked. Like, how do I not know this song? But it was just I didn't know that that's what the title of the song was. But I'll be loving you always. Like, I love, love, love the song. Such a classic, lyrically amazing. Obviously, the choir, the choral part in there. Now, this is a funny thing that I've <laughs> put in here, and it's funny how I'm seeing it in my notes. When he does the always run, always, yeah. I, I highlighted that like, oh yeah, that is in the song. I mean, he's just incredible. So go ahead. Like, why is this on your list? Oh, I love this song. I, this is by far definitely playing at my wedding. If I was rich and had a gazillion dollars, I would pay Stevie to sing this at my wedding. That's oh. how much I love this song. Well, so you can get the knockoff. You can get the knockoff version. Like, just call me up. <laughs> hey, okay, come through, come to Jamaica. We got you. Okay, Jamaica. Um, I need to say what's up, ones. Okay. <laughs> um. So I've seen Stevie Wonder in concert twice, and I even stayed out late on a weekday. I'm a grandma, y'all, just so I could hear this song. So this song, if you've never heard "As" before, oh, I guess also background. I worked at this chemical company in Midland, Michigan, and that's where I learned that Stevie was from the town over called Saginaw. So okay. during that time I had started listening to Stevie wondering more and I discovered this song and I've never found a song that has more lyrically beautiful love metaphors yeah. than this song. We're basically saying, I will love you until like it rains from the ocean or that a fish can swim. So it's saying my love will stay with you forever and ever and ever. So love the song. That is, yes, yes, all, all those things, yes. Okay, the last one was a huge surprise. Um, not necessarily a surprise, like, coming from you, but, like, it was just a surprise because of what I got to do this uh, in the summer of 2019. And the song is One Last Time from the Hamilton musical. And so in the summer of 2019, I got to go and see Hamilton, um, one of the touring companies of Hamilton in Oklahoma City for, for the first time. And it was incredible. It was everything that I expected and wanted it to be. Uh, but some of the things I, I highlighted on this was, uh, it's just a, the story in the song about this monumental moment for our country where George Washington is, um, actually, I want you to explain that because this is something that you chose. But anyway, I, I love the song and I, I specifically love the ending where it's, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a Broadway musical. So this happens in a lot of Broadway musical numbers, but like, it's just this climactic ending and he's just like, just singing the way he's singing in the choir and all of that. And so why is it your favorite? And tell us about like what that, what the song's about. Yeah. So about me, super big into Broadway musicals. If I could sing 
like Roy or anybody that can sing, my whole life would be a musical. So I'm surprised <laughs> Roy doesn't sing every time he talks because his voice is of an angel. Thank you. But so musicals are really big for me, and I had to have at least one musical on my list because it is a part of who I am. Hamilton sure. or this specific song. One, the person, the song is sung by the character of George Washington and Alexander Hamilton, where George Washington is explaining that he's going to step down. He's not going to be serve as president after the two-year term. And Alexander Hamilton is like, yo, why? Like, we are, came from this monarchy government. Like, we're not used to people stepping down and having terms. Basically, people who are doing a good job should stay in office as long as possible. And George Washington is saying, no, that's not the, the nation we're building. We're nation a building that can survive and thrive beyond an individual. So the meaning of the song is, I think, what everyone should think. Like, we are not building and working and thriving to be the boss individual. We're building something greater than ourselves that should outlive us and should thrive beyond us. But um, George, the person who plays George Washington, I love his voice. Um, I, I just love the song. I love the musical. I love the meaning of it, that you saying goodbye does not mean you're failing. It does not mean you stepping down does not mean you're doing a disservice to something. It actually means you're seeing the bigger picture and you're allowing an entity, a person, a relationship, yourself to grow further and to become the best version of this entity as possible. So that is why I, one time is on there. I knew you would do it justice. So I was like, I'm not even going to do it justice. Like I already know how you feel about this. So that was, that was definitely incredible. And I, and yeah, it was, I love that. I love how you're, you're, you're tying it to, you know, just cause you're stepping down doesn't mean it actually means you're doing something greater and how we should, you know, kind of keep that in mind. Um, and I believe that's what you and I are doing in regards to STEM is just, you know, we know that this is bigger than us and trying to make sure others, um, uh, other multicultural students and, and kids and, and young, young adults have uh, opportunities within this career field. So as we close this incredible episode, uh, I, you've been offering gems and advice throughout this entire podcast. So if you don't want to share anything else, that's perfectly fine because you've given us so much. But um, I always ask the last question, if you could give, it, give advice uh, to a, a high school or college student or professional, it could be all three, it could just be one, uh, what would that advice be? Um, and, and that's kind of how we'll end the, end the episode. Yes, I would say two nuggets is one, communicate. Don't be afraid to communicate if you're not if you don't like something, if you do like something, ultimate communication is key. But the bigger piece of advice that I think is instrumental, regardless of where you are in life, is accept failure. Do not be afraid to fail. Fail fast, fail frequently, fail, fail, fail. Because the more that we embrace failure, the more we grow. And the more that we learn to bounce back from that failure so that the fail to success ratio ultimately bounces to uh, the success ratio so if you've never failed that means you really haven't tried that hard and you you learn so much more when you don't do right the first time so fail early so you're not failing and you know going bankrupt when you're like 89 <laughs> yeah. fail ask questions talk to people and like just know you don't have to go through anything alone um mm. and people are here for you so don't be afraid to communicate my LinkedIn, you guys can reach out to me to communicate if I can ever assist. Reach out to Roy, communication and failure. My two pieces of advice. That was 
perfect way to end this episode. Ashley, thank you so much for just taking the time out to drop the gems, to share your story, to encourage um, a, a student who's coming along on their journey, a young black girl who's coming along on her journey into STEM. Uh, we are so grateful that you were able to come and join the podcast. I know for STEM Music Nation, this is just a wealth of knowledge that we have. So thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Thank you so much, Roy, for having me. And thank you so much, STEM Music audience, for allowing me to speak to you. Man, man, anytime. So um, as you all know, STEM Music Nation, if you want to find us um, on social media, you can uh, look us up at The STEM Music on all social media uh, platforms. And then uh, check us out at the website, www.roymoy3music.com slash STEM Music. Until next time, you all have a great one. Thank you so much. Everywhere we go, call us STEM Music. People gotta know.